Welcome once again to the Believe in the Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Bo Smolka, joined by my co-host, former Ravens tight end, Daniel Wilcox. And today we are going to preview Ravens and Browns who will meet at M&T Bank Stadium on Sunday. The Ravens, we've heard this before, they're coming off another frustrating loss in which they gave up a late 10-point lead, and they sit at 3-3, three and three, the Browns at 2-4. and four. A Ravens win here suddenly kind of pushes the Browns further away from the division race, and yet a Browns win suddenly throws this race wide open again, and the Ravens could find themselves as far as basically in third place at the end of the day. So it's a big day. The Ravens will have their 2012 Super Bowl team on hand, so there will be a lot of emotion in the stadium when the Ravens face the Browns. Before we preview that game, I want to remind you that all Ravens podcasts are sponsored by Bet Online, your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. As your continued source for all betting needs, whether that's NBA, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, golf, tennis, even MMA, and boxing. It's your continued source for wagering info, free contests, live scores, giveaways all season long. Head over to betonline.ag and receive a 100% welcome deposit. Be sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Daniel Wilcox, the Ravens come into this game at 3-3. Three and three. We mentioned already it's been a frustrating year. This team could easily be 6-0. and oh. But Bill Parcells, Dennis Green, Herm Edwards, I forget who exactly was first to be credited with it, basically said, you are what the record says you are, and the Ravens are 3-3. Three and three. And they face a Cleveland team that does not have Deshaun Watson yet. I know a lot of Cleveland people are waiting for Deshaun Watson and thinking he is going to be the savior there. I'm not as convinced of that, but regardless, they face a Browns team that has gotten them a few times in the previous years. Now, John Harbaugh at home, at home against the Ra- against the Cleveland Browns is 12-2. and But remember, in the Ravens' 14-2 and season, the Browns came here and spanked the Ravens badly. Uh, Nick Chubb had a huge day on the ground, and the Ravens got beaten that game. The Ravens come in again smarting off another late loss to the New York Giants, trying to find themselves on offense. And let's first talk about that offense. I know we talked last week, Daniel Wilcox, about Kenyon Drake's breakout game for the Ravens, 119 yards on 10 carries, and they yet they only he only carried 10 times, averaging 12 yards a, a rush, basically. Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator this week, said, yeah, maybe we could have run the ball a little more. I take it you agree with that statement. Absolutely, Bo. I'm over here just shaking my head. And people, if you're watching, you can see it. But if you're listening, you can't. But I'm shaking my head side to side every time Bo bring up the, the Ravens running the ball. The Ravens have been a team that's for a long time has been based on running the ball, predominantly because we never had great quarterbacks, right? You know, so you always had phenomenal running backs, you know, Jamal Lewis's and company and your Willis McGahee's, your Ray Rice's and stuff. We've had great running backs. And we still have them right now, you know, with Gus Edwards, you know, Hill and – and, um, you know, we're deep at that running back position when we're healthy, you know. So Dobbins, you know, he, thank God he's back. We got an opportunity to do something here to kind of get back to playing Raven football. John Harbaugh, um, master statement from day one is play like a Raven. You know, he came in preaching, play like a Raven, play like a Raven. What does that mean? You know, what does that really mean? You know, the Ravens have always been a smash mouth team. We're going to hit you in your mouth. We kind of got that Marshawn Lynch type personality. 
hit you in your face over and over and over and over and, and over and over and over again, you know, until you until you don't want that. And and we got to get back to kind of playing that type of ball. And and I think once we do that, you know, we'll be a team that will be dominant enough to be able to go deep into the playoffs. You know, I agree with your record. You, you, you are what your record says you are. I agree with that 100%. Um, am now am I saying that the Ravens is a team that they are right now? Right now, yes, they are. They, I mean, they, they deserve the record that they have right now. They had an opportunity to win another four or five of these games, you know, up in the fourth quarter, and, you know, they lost the fourth quarter lead. You know, so if you're losing a fourth quarter league, that means you're not playing fundamentally sound football. And when you're up, you're supposed to run the ball, to run the time off the clock, to not to give the other team opportunity to, to get back into the game. But for some reason, we're not doing that. We're not playing Raven football. And with King Drake having 10 carries and 110 yards, to me, that's like telling Steph Curry not to shoot the ball when he's hot. You know, the guy's hot. You know, and football players are the exact same way as baseball. You know, baseball players are squeaky when they hit the ball with the bat. But when they're hot, everybody in the world knows they're hot because they're hitting home run after home run after home run. Well, Kenyon Drake was uh, hitting home runs. He was hitting the three from half court. And we only gave him the ball ten times. I just don't, I don't understand what that's all about mentally in my mind. And that, I think as an OC, that makes my job a little bit easier when I don't have to really think about what to call. All right, last play. The last time we called this run play, King Drake busted for 35. Let's call it again. You know, you if he busted, yeah, if he busted for another 10 or 15, Bo, call it again. You know, run it until they stop. You know, if they don't stop it, keep running it. Obviously, they got some leaks or some holes or some problems there, Bo. So I, I don't I don't, I don't know. What do you think, Bo? You tell me what you think. I mean, I think 12 yards a pop, you keep running the ball. Now, Greg Roman said, see, look, sometimes they're stacking the box, but they were stacking yeah. the box and they were still getting 10 yards a carry. Right. So, I mean, the Ravens overall in that game averaged 8.8 yards rush. And I think that's – got to pound it if that's the case. And um, right. they kind of conceded that. Now, I will say going into this game, there is some concern about J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins left the game last week, and he only carried seven times for 15 yards. And if you look at his last carry, he didn't look that comfortable. It looked like he kind of took a little step and, and – I don't want to say crumbled, but he definitely didn't see his knee did not seem right at the end of that play. Now he he, yeah. he didn't get helped off the field or anything, but he hasn't practiced this week, um, yeah. and we're recording Friday morning. He has not yet practiced this week, so I think it's very questionable whether he plays. But I will say, Gus Edwards, who is still on the technically still on the pup list in this 21 day practice window has looked really good in the little bit that we've been able to watch him. And I it would not surprise me if he's activated for this week. And I think they've missed something with him. Um, yeah. Just that battering ram who can also get outside better than he gets credit for. But I think he might be active this week. And if he is, that would be terrific. And, of course, Kenyon Drake coming off that great game has to be playing with a lot of confidence. A couple right. of the injury notes for this Ravens offense, though. Mark Andrews has not practiced this week, and that has to be some concern. Now, John Harbaugh, when we were practice Wednesday, John Harbaugh said Andrews is getting a rest day. Fine. He hasn't had one all year, so that was already interesting because Mark Andrews is a guy that is out there every day, every day of training camp, every day of OTAs. doesn't matter. He's always out there. Wasn't there Wednesday, and John Harbaugh said it was a rest day. But he didn't practice yesterday either, and the injury report lists him as with a knee injury both days. So it's got to be a concern there. I will say I saw him in the locker room on Wednesday. I didn't talk to him, but I saw him. He was walking fine. It's not like he had any kind of a knee brace or a limp or anything. So I would think he will play. And I think he's one of the few Ravens that has the kind of equity where if he doesn't practice all week, he can still play. A lot of guys, if they don't practice, Harbaugh won't play them. But I don't think Mark Andrews is one of those guys. I think he would play. 
The other guy that has not really practiced all week is Patrick Ricard, and he's obviously a huge part of what they want to do in the run game. So both those injuries bear a lot of watching. I, if I had to guess, I think Andrews will play. I don't have a read on Ricard, really, and I, I, I'm skeptical of Dobbins just watching how he looked, but I do think that Gus Edwards might be back, which would be a big, big boost. And this Browns team has given up like 131 yards a game on the ground. They are susceptible against the run, just like the Giants were. And so of the Ravens, I think they can get things going. And I think they also need to get Lamar Jackson going offensively in the run. And a lot of people are talking about these fourth quarter collapses. And let me ask you, we talked, I know last week, Daniel Wilcox, about Jackson's sagging quarterback numbers in the fourth quarter. It drops down like a 54 rating, 114 in the second quarter. Something's not right. And you said it comes down to adjustments. Let me ask you basically on that concept, this concept of adjustments, what do coaches do at halftime to make adjustments? And, and how, does that, how does that show up, say, what's Greg Roman doing the third quarter? How do these adjustments happen? And what adjustments can the Ravens make in a general sense to make him a better player in the fourth quarter? Well, what, what coaches do at halftime is they try to figure out exactly what they've uh, the defense on offense. You try to figure out exactly what the defense have done to you in the entire first half. You try to figure out what coverages they're running, you know, what fronts they're running, you know, what are they trying to do to 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 sabotage your run game. By the time, by you know what they're running on third down by now. You know, every third down they're sending heat. You know, so you got to make adjustments for those things. You have to go into halftime. You say, all right, they're only playing cover two and cover three all game, so we got to put in the cover two, cover three beaters. Let's put those plays in right now. You know, you got an extensive playbook, even if it's stuff that you haven't went over all week. You know, you ask your quarterback, what does he see? You ask your running back, what does he see? You ask your receiver, your, your top receiver, what does he see? And um, and then you try to say, hey, man, I got to get the ball to you more in one-on-one coverages. They, they're singling you up backside, Bateman, one-on-one. We got to get you the ball more. Let's, let's throw the backside slant. Every time we call this formation, this is how he lines up, Lamar. We want to throw the backside slant to Bateman. You know, it's, it's little stuff like that that you're communicating. Um, you should know by, by now that freaking – Kenyon Drake just had all the, the yards rushing at halftime. He probably had 60-some yards you know, on, on three or four carries. Mm-hmm. King, let's get you the ball more. You know, we got to get you the ball more. Then he bust out another 50 coming out of halftime. Keep giving them the freaking ball, you know, because you've already sat down as a staff. As a staff, as an offensive staff, you probably got 10 coaches on that side of the ball that's looking at every little nuance that they're doing to you on defense. And you're asking those guys – you know, what's their opinion? What do they think? What do they see? They're doing this. They're doing that. All right, this is what we're going to do. They're slanting the linemen. They're, they're slanting the linemen to the right. They got these big defensive linemen. We got to get them. They stay, they're getting tired. Let's go ahead and wear them down. You know, so you, it's all these things that you got to do, man, to try to make it – to try to make things make sense the second half. When you get to that fourth quarter and you have a lead, you know you got to run the ball. You got to run the time off the clock. And to me, it ain't about getting cute at that moment. It's about, you know, going smash mouth. And when they are loading up the boxes, and, and you know they're going to load up the box because you're not doing a lot of spread. I seen the last last game they did. The Ravens went four and five wide, like, man, you talked about the week before, mm-hmm. to spread them out more. So now you got Lamar Jackson one-on-one with a linebacker. That's that's the most nine times out of ten you're going to win that. That's why you see Lamar get those big runs. And then that gives you easier throwing lanes for the QB because the whole defense has to spread out with your receivers. So to me, when you start to do those type of things, you're putting Lamar at a at an advantage versus a disadvantage. When you put him at a disadvantage, when you bring in the tight ends, all the tight ends in the game, now they're stacking the box with nine, ten in the box, and you're still trying to run the ball, and you're trying to run it with your quarterback. To me, you need to get the ball – you need to get – Lamar the ball in open space. He's the best I've ever seen in open space. So spread them out if you're going to have them run. Let them do a quarterback draw or two. Just good old-fashioned, four wide, four or five wide, spread everybody out, 
and just a regular-ass quarterback draw and let Lamar run the ball and see what happens. You know, and I think him one-on-one with a linebacker any day, he's going to be the one that's going to come out on top. And, uh, I mean, in, in the fourth quarter, if you got a lead and you got, you're running the ball well, they need to get a heavy dose of, of, run, of run plays, you know, whether it's inside zone, outside zone, power, you know, 42 lead, whatever it is, right up the middle, just run the ball right at them. Make them stop you. I mean, nobody ain't going to try to run into Patrick Ricard full speed at 300 and some pounds, you know, repeatedly over and over again. So I, I don't know. Sometimes I just feel like you got to get back to smash mouth football. Not having Gus Edwards, of course, I mean, is a huge part of not, not being able to do that, you know, but you can't throw the ball all the time in the fourth quarter when you got a lead like that. Now, remember, they had they thought they were going to be able to run out the clock. It was third and one, and Lamar Jackson does a quarterback sneak against the Giants, and it looks like they have the first down, but they get an illegal formation penalty because they didn't have a, a another person on the line of scrimmage outside Ronnie Stanley. And so it's instead of a first down with three minutes left, in which case they might be able to run out the clock, John Harbaugh said, if we get that first down, we probably win the game, and he's probably right. Instead, it's third and six. They try to pass. Uh, Linderbaum and Jackson mess up the snap, it's, and and then Jackson in a, in a in a rush throws the interception that sets up the game-winning touchdown. So I think they will want to run the ball. Let's talk two other things. You brought up Rashad Bateman. He's missed the last two games. He's practiced to a limited capacity this week. I expect he'll probably play. The Ravens also this week signed to Sean Jackson, 15-year veteran, played long time for the Philadelphia Eagles with Michael Vick, and he said, "Look, I played with Vick. I'm so excited to play with Lamar Jackson." He called him the new era of Michael Vick. I joke that find yourself someone that loves you as much as the Ravens love 30-something wide receivers because they bring one in every year. It's Michael Crabtree or Des Bryant, Steve Smith. Some have done well. Mike Wallace. Some have done very well. Uh, yeah. What I don't know if Deshaun Jackson will play this week on two days practice with no training camp or OTAs. Jason Pierre-Paul did. I'll point out that I didn't think he would play his first weekend. He did. What can the Ravens realistically expect from Deshaun Jackson? I think he gives them another deep threat. You know, I mean, he, and he's a savvy vet too. Uh, hopefully, he doesn't come in and you know demand the ball like crazy, crazy, crazy with all the attitude and stuff like that. And he comes in and he'd be a savvy vet. He knows um, he has to be a role player at this point. He's not the number one receiver. He should understand that coming in. If he comes in and he and he brings that extra energy and good juice and and his veteran leadership to this team, I mean, I think it's just going to make the Ravens' offense that much more dangerous. You know, with a Bateman who who has wheels, a Duvernay who has wheels. I'm still kind of disappointed I haven't seen more James Prochet. I really don't know what that's about. I think he's probably one of the best receivers the Ravens have on that squad, and he's not being utilized at all. And um, and then you got uh, you add a guy like Deshaun Jackson to the mix, and people will respect Deshaun Jackson. You can guarantee you he'll be respected. He he is going to have to knock off some rust. You know, it's it's, it's one thing of being training and working out, coming in in shape. But it's another thing to try to be able to get off the line of scrimmage and get out of press when you haven't done it in a while. And, you know, you're fresh, you know, getting it for the first time this year. It usually takes a couple of weeks to get that knocked out, you know, so that you get back to your old form as far as getting your releases and getting off the ball, which will mess up and disrupt timing a little bit. But I guarantee you that people are still going to respect the speed of Deshaun Jackson. And I think I think we need that. I think we need another guy that's a deep threat, a guy that when Lamar scrambles where he did and throws the pick that he was trying to throw to Patrick Ricard. Mm-hmm. To me, if you're going to throw that pick, you throw that pick 50 yards downfield. You know, let, let somebody take off and you're going to throw it. Let it be like a punt return. And maybe you'll tackle them down on the other end, but you don't risk – throwing it short like that and throwing a pick that late in the game. You know, and I think that's probably something they would say on, 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 you know, watching film study and stuff like that. Lamar, you can't throw this pick. If you're going to throw it, it need to be a punt return. You know, you need to let it, you need to let it air out. Take your chances down the field with Duvernay. Duvernay running down the sideline. You know, 
Uh, to me, that's a smarter throw in that situation. Yeah, we talked. I mean, the smartest thing would have just been throw it away out of bounds or, you know, the, lead, yeah. the last thing he needed to do was do, do what he throw did. But they know. Right. He, he knows that. Well, they talk about right. the passing game. Now, the Browns may not have Denzel Ward, good, good cornerback for them, who's been a problem mm-hmm. for the Ravens over the years, but he's been dealing with a concussion. And, of course, they have elite edge rushers in Jadavion Clowney and Miles Garrett. Garrett, of course, is the one that likes to put tombstones in his yard at Halloween of, of opposing quarterbacks. And he's gotten Lamar Jackson a few times. And, of course, remember, Lamar Jackson got hurt last year playing against Cleveland, who was sacked by Osu Karamoa. But with Garrett and Clowney, who are also banged up themselves, but, you know, with an elite edge rusher like uh, Garrett, what's the key for the Ravens to kind of defending that guy? You got to eliminate him. You got to take him out. And you got to mix it up. You know, I, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna tackle the first player of the game, I pass set and I cut him right off rip. I want him to know right now that you're gonna get cut today, buddy. It's gonna be a long day if you think you're coming off the ball 100 miles per hour without having to worry about your legs getting cut off underneath you. So I cut him, and then the next play I come, I fake like I'm gonna cut him, then I hit him in his hit him right in his chest. You know, then I'm gonna um, then I'm gonna have the backs go over and chip him, the tight ends go over and chip him to assist. You know, double team block him as much as possible, and you just got to make it a miserable day. You got to make him work harder than he's ever worked the first half. So the second half, he's at least fatigued and maybe slow down a little bit. You know, you don't definitely want to give him free rushes up the field on your quarterback. You don't want him to get get a chance to get a clean hit on Lamar at any point. And then you turn around, you got Jadavian Clowney on the other side, yep. which doesn't make you feel any better about that mm-hmm. side. You know, so um, maybe this is a game where you go two, three tight end sets and, you know, four tight end sets. I haven't seen Nick Boyle in a while. I'd like to see him get back on the field. It's crazy. It's like this NFL, this league is like, you know, what have you done for me lately? It's true. You know, it's so crazy, man. He's one of your elite guys, and all of a sudden he's he's not all of yeah. a sudden. I don't know. He's been, a know non, but, um, he's been a non-factor. He has played hardly an offensive snap in four weeks. Josh Oliver has kind of taken over as the number two tight end Other in, in terms of blocking. Isaiah Likely is there as well. Uh, mm-hmm. And you got Patrick Ricard, so you're really already playing three tight ends and a fullback. Of course, if you're going to keep those guys in to help block, the problem yeah. there is it's fewer guys out in a pattern, and so that makes it harder too. But I will yeah. also point out that Morgan Moses, the right tackle, left the game last week with a heel injury. Yeah. His, he, he's questionable, and if he can't play, Patrick McCary, who's their super utility guy, probably will start at right tackle, and that's something they'll have to deal with. And of course, what the Ravens do not want is these penalties that set them up in second and third and long, and then Garrett and Clowney and others can just pin their ears back and go after Jackson. If the running game is working and they're staying on schedule or ahead of the chains or whatever you want to say, they negate to a great degree what Miles Garrett and Clowney want to do in terms of just making life miserable for Jackson because they, they, they do want to, do not want to get themselves in obvious long down and distance situations where they're obviously looking to pass the ball. All right, let's look quickly at this Ravens defense against the Browns. Of course, I mentioned no Deshaun Watson yet. He's still serving his suspension. So the Browns move forward with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. I think the Ravens see a chance there to force Brissett into mistakes. But first and foremost, they need to stop Chubb. I mentioned earlier, he has had a couple great games against the Ravens, and he's had some games where they've really held him in check. In a couple games, the Ravens got ahead big early against, against the Browns with Chubb on the field, and then... He's negated because they're throwing a lot. But he's the leading rusher in the league right now with 649 yards. Uh, He had 165 yards and three touchdowns here in Baltimore in 2019. If he gets going, he is tough. This Ravens defense really struggled against the run for long stretches this year. They were really good against Barkley for most of the game last week against the Giants. Barkley got going a little bit in the second half, but they did a good job overall. 
What's the key for the Ravens here in stopping Chubb? You got to bring Ray Lewis out of retirement. <laughs> well, he'll guy. be there for the Super Bowl. I assume he'll be there for the Super Bowl presentation. <laughs> he need but, to dress out in this game. <laughs> I don't think that's overly happening, but I think he'll be in the stadium, but not in uniform. Yeah, it's an attitude, Bo. You know, it's really going to come down to attitude and just how bad you really want it. You know, you got to want it more than him. And unfortunately, it's not, a lot of, it's, not, it's not a lot of teams in this league that want it more than Nick Chubb. You know, he's a Georgia boy, so I like the fact that he represents mm-hmm. us down here, the way we run the ball in Georgia. We're serious about running the ball here. You know, so it's gonna he's going to be a hard back to stop. And I don't know if we got the linebackers. Honestly, that's 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 going to take the pounding with him and to be able to continue to stop, continuously stop him the entire game. Um, Galas Campbell, I know it's questionable as well this week, mm-hmm. you know, which you don't, which doesn't feel good. Even Justin Houston is, is questionable. And he's a guy that you definitely need if you're going to try to stop Nick Chubb. He's going to have to come up in here pretty hard to kind of, you know, to make to slow this guy down. He's the type of back, but you want to get him before you get started. So mm-hmm. the most, the more penetration you can get in the backfield, um, the better off you will be against a guy like Nick Chubb. And I think to me, I mean, and the Ravens do a good job of slanting the D line a lot. You know, so slanting the D line, allowing them to kind of clog up those run lanes, and then having the linebackers fill those run lanes to create that picket fence. I think it's super important for the Ravens, and um, and we'll we'll see how this thing pans out. But I tell you what, one misstep, one false step, or one overran play, and this guy can go the distance, man. It's, ain't nobody gonna catch him. You know, so um, we have to definitely. You know, have guys on all three levels, you know, D linemen, linebackers, and DBs um, on all three levels to try to have him, you know, three different levels to run through instead of just having everybody up on the line of scrimmage like in a cover zero situation and he busts through and it's a foot race. Um, he can hurt you at any given point of the game. Third down and short, he's definitely getting the ball. You know it. So you don't have to get some penetration. The more penetration you get this game, the better that we will be, the better off we will be as a defensive line and a defensive front against Nick Chubb. I think it was three years ago in that game where he had 165. If I remember right, it was you mentioned the the linebackers. I believe it was Patrick Owasso that overran the play. Owasso overruns the play. Chubb cuts it back just a little bit. He's got a lane gone, about an 80-yard touchdown run in that game. Outran the Ravens secondary. That was a play, I believe, where Earl Thomas kind of held up and people criticized Thomas for not going after Chubb down the sideline. But, yeah, if they overrun, the, if the linebackers have to maintain their kind of integrity in terms of lanes. And the edge, edge linebackers really have to hold that edge, whether it's Jason Pierre-Paul. You're missing Justin Houston is back to practice after missing three games. Adafi Owe on the other side needs to be – they need to be really good in, in run support on the edge because you're, you're right, Chubb can hurt you in so many different ways. And they've got Kareem Hunt, who is also a dangerous guy. Um, and that guy can cause them a lot of problems too as a receiver and as a rusher. And then in their, in their passing game, they look for Amari Cooper. David Njoku is a good tight end who they will work to. But it all starts with Chubb and their run game. And that, like the Ravens, they want to run the ball. They want to stay ahead of the chains. And they want ahead on schedule, favorable down in distance, so they can keep their running game intact. And if the Ravens would love to get them in situations where Chubb is not a factor and they put the ball in Brissett's hands and make Brissett have to beat them. A key to this game could be turnovers. The Ravens have gotten a lot this year. That was one of their offseason emphasis uh, was to get more turnovers. Turnover ratio this year, the Ravens are at plus four. The Browns are at minus three. And, and in a close game or in a situation like this, turnovers often, often end up being the difference in the game. So their game plan, I know, will be deny Chubb, eliminate Chubb, contain Chubb, really, if you're not going to eliminate him, but at least contain him and make, make, make Brissett beat you. I think that's what they would love to be able to do. It's a big game coming up. Like I said, they have the Super Bowl team will be here. Interestingly enough, there are two players from that Super Bowl team from the Ravens in 2012. Two of them 
will still be in uniform for the Ravens. Kicker Justin Tucker and inside linebacker Josh Bynes, who was on that team, left, played for several other teams, and now he's back. And interestingly enough about those two, neither of them, neither of them was drafted. And here they are playing 10 years after the Super Bowl championship for that team. But the 2012 Super Bowl team will be honored. They will be around, and it's going to be a lot of fun to see them in the building again. All right, Daniel Wilcox, AFC North, Browns, Ravens. Let's get your prediction. When this game is over, what is the final score? I'm going to go 28. I'm going to go 28. Um, no, let, me, let me go 30 to uh, thirty to 21 this week. Ravens up. 30 to 21. All right. Yep. I'm going Ravens 27, Browns 19. I think the Ravens are going to be able to accomplish enough. I'm expecting a takeaway or two that will help eliminate the Browns, and I think that they will – they will do enough in the run defense to contain Chubb and won't, won't blow a late fourth quarter lead this time. We will see. Big game coming up. And then, of course, after this one, the Ravens have the dreaded short week road game. No one likes it. it last year, it was the loss at Miami where they look completely out of sorts. So after this game, they go on their short week to Tampa. And, and that will be always a tough situation. But the Ravens 3 and 3 and the Browns 2 and 4 at MNT Bank Stadium on Sunday. I want to thank you for watching and listening for Ravens tight end Daniel Wilcox. This is Bo Smolka on the Believe in the Ravens podcast presented by Bet Online. <laughs>